はいおーアムロンキャンドホモセクシュアリティ What causes it? What does the best available science tell us? Can we conclude things from this about it being a choice? First, let's be clear about what we mean. Homosexuality is being sexually attracted to those of the same sex and not the opposite sex. Having same sex sexual relations isn't the exact same as being a homosexual. Identifying as a homosexual isn't the same either. What matters is, if you see an attractive specimen of the same sex and desire them, while not having this desire for similar specimens of the opposite sex. Now, it's more complicated because some people are attracted to both sexes. They are bisexual. Some people aren't attracted to either sex. They're asexual. And some people are mostly attracted to one sex, but a little attracted to the other. They are mostly gay or straight, but a little bi. My focus here is on full-on homosexuality, or at least those that are mostly gay. When studies determine sexual orientation, they tend to use self-reported measures, which aren't perfect but generally should be correct. Some studies also measure genital arousal. I assume that's quite awkward for the study participants. Within both of these, Researchers have a variety of sexual orientation scales or categories or measures of sexual arousal. They've also used scans of participants' neural activity, measured their viewing time looking at images of attractive men compared to women, eye pupil dilation while looking at erotic pictures or videos, and more implicit measures. It's difficult to even know what percentage of the population is gay. For one, People may respond based on if they've ever had a homosexual experience, or if they identify as gay, rather than if they're attracted to people of the same sex. Another issue, some people's homosexuality changes over their lives, so demographics may affect the percentage. And whether someone was ever gay is different than if they are gay at this stage in their life. Additionally, homosexuality is still looked down upon, especially in some countries, so people aren't always honest in surveys and may be in denial of their own homosexuality. Finally, homosexuality is relatively rare, so you need extra large samples to estimate it. About 1.5 to 3% of people are gay or mostly gay. Those numbers don't include bisexuals. That 1 to 3% is much smaller than the 7 to 9% of people who have ever had a same-sex sexual interaction. Compared to men, women are more likely to be bisexual or mostly heterosexual. Men are more likely to be mostly or fully gay and more likely to be fully straight. This comports with the common perception that women are more likely to be open to sexual encounters with other women than men are with men. Nevertheless, most men and women report being completely straight, that number being 93% for men and 87% for women. We aren't sure whether the differences between men and women are due to biological sex differences, cultural factors, different susceptibilities between men and women for social influences, or measurement error. Women are also more likely to be sexually fluid, meaning in some situations they find themselves attracted to the same sex, 
but in other situations, they do not. We don't really know why this is, but it could be evolutionary. When women aren't ovulating, there's no reproductive disadvantage for being attracted to the same sex. However, when women are ovulating, there's an obvious reproductive advantage for being attracted to men. Finding themselves attracted to women may have been advantageous for a variety of reasons, including alliance formation. Unfortunately, homosexuality doesn't appear to be caused by one thing. There are a variety of variables that contribute to making homosexuality more likely. This isn't unusual. Most parts of our personality are not determined by one gene. But by many genes and many factors that affected us in the womb and throughout our lives. It would actually be more unusual if homosexuality was species-wide determined by one relatively simple cause. The multitude of causes also means that for different individuals, a different series of causes made them gay. The potential causes of homosexuality fall into three categories. The first is inherent biology. Here, I'm talking about parts of the human being set at conception. The biggest focus of this is DNA. If something straight from one's DNA is contributing to their gayness, then that is a cause of inherent biology. The second is non-social environment. Here, we're talking about factors that affect the development of a human being in the womb or shortly after the womb. These are environmental factors that affect us at key times before our intelligent consciousness even exists. These are factors that do not come directly from our cultural or social environment. Hormones and proteins in the womb are key examples of this. The third is social factors like how children are taught or treated. The evidence shows that inherent biology and the non-social environment play a role in determining homosexuality. Social factors could, but we have less evidence to believe so. There are ways of talking, moving, and acting that tend to correlate with homosexuality. Studies have observed children and found that those that have such behaviors are more likely to end up gay. Researchers showed pictures or videos to participants and asked them to rate which childhood behaviors strike them as gay or gender atypical. And this correlates with the children's homosexuality as an adult. This indicates that for these children, their brains were set for them to be gay from very early on. One specific series of behaviors is gender nonconformity, acting like the opposite sex. These behaviors usually come about by preschool age, and people who turn out gay are substantially more likely to have acted like the opposite sex as a child. This phenomenon holds in a variety of cultures. Researchers have found that these gender nonconforming children have not been taught to act like this. They just do it on their own. Even though society has become more open to homosexuality, the norm is still heterosexuality and typical gender norms. Socialization works to push children toward normal gender norms and heterosexuality. So children acting gender atypical is something in the child acting against these norms. Straight men are generally more interested in things rather than people, while women are the opposite. Gay men tend 
more toward the interest of women and gay women toward the interest of men. These interest differences aren't as large as that between men and women. This shows that homosexuality tends to include a mindset difference on top of the defining attribute of sexual orientation. However, what causes this is hard to say because it's difficult to tell if this is more innate or caused by identities and social expectations. However, because the childhood gender nonconformity begins before the children are even aware of their future sexual orientations, and before most children are aware of cultural stereotypes, and these findings hold across cultures, gender nonconformity is probably due to earlier causes than the effects of culture. Culture could amplify these behaviors, though. Let's review studies finding evidence for the cause being inherent biology. A common tactic to study nature versus nurture is to study twins separated at birth. Unfortunately, there are too few homosexual twins separated at birth for good studies to be done. However, we can still study identical twins raised together and compare them to non-identical twins. Identical twins are genetically identical, while non-identical twins share half their genes. Identical twins are more likely to have the same sexual orientation than non-identical twins. This suggests that having the same genetics plays a role in them being gay or straight. However, not all identical twins share a sexual orientation, so genetics alone doesn't determine sexual orientation. If one non-identical twin is gay, the other is more likely to be gay than the average person. So the 50% of genes that they share also plays a role in producing sexual orientation. Based on these studies, it appears that a third of sexual orientation outcomes are caused by genetics. Among identical twins that had different sexual orientations, there tends to be childhood differences in personality and gender-typical behavior that we'd expect in someone who turns out gay. This suggests that in this case, along with in general, the brain is set for a person to become homosexual at a very young age. Also, when the twins end up having the same sexual orientation, their gender-associated behaviors as a child tend to go together. Meaning, twins that both end up gay were both more likely to both show gender atypical behaviors as children. Twins that both ended up straight were more likely to both not show gender atypical behaviors. And when the twins' sexual orientations did not match, only the gay twin was more likely to show gender atypical behaviors. Another way to look for a genetic link is to have a mass database of people's genes and information about their sexual orientation, and see if there are correlations between certain genes and homosexuality. The results of these studies are as follows. There is no one gay gene. There are a variety of gene sets associated with homosexuality. No one gene set determines homosexuality. Certain genetics seem to make homosexuality more likely, but genes do not fully determine sexual orientation. 8 to 25% of homosexuality is determined by genes. Genes can make someone more likely to become homosexual, but likely other factors are needed for someone to end up that way. Sexuality is determined by hundreds or possibly thousands of genes that affect the final outcome. 
One flaw with genomic studies is they measure homosexuality behavior and identification rather than directly measuring attraction. Nevertheless, such behavior and identification is obviously linked to sexual orientation, so the studies are still useful. Although the amount determined by genes differs between genomic database studies and twin studies, both reach the same general conclusion. Some amount of homosexuality is determined by genes, but this amount is less than half. That even some of homosexuality is explained by genes raises the evolution question. Homosexuality clearly makes having kids less likely, so how did these genes survive? One thing, evolution is more complicated than that, and unproductive genes aren't always efficiently eliminated. But also, there are theories of how homosexuality provides advantages. One such theory is that while a homosexual is less likely to have offspring, through support of family members who share similar genes, he can help family members have more children than they otherwise would. Nevertheless, the survival of such genes is still a question because of the magnitude of the anti-reproductive effect of not mating with the opposite sex. Let's discuss the non-social environmental effects. Twin studies have looked at epigenetic differences between identical twins. Even if two people have the same DNA, chemical modifications to the human genome can affect how the genes act without actually changing the DNA sequence. This is called epigenetics and plays a role in a variety of human behaviors, including apparently sexual orientation. Sometimes how epigenetics is explained is by talking about genes being turned on or off. Such studies found that identical twins can have different epigenetics, and the researchers could predict sexual orientation based on specific epi marks. These differences were likely picked up in the womb, and researchers don't know why. Possible explanations include a mother's epi marks being erased in only one son, a child gaining an epi mark in the womb, the location of the two fetuses in the womb, and how much maternal blood each fetus got. Another thing to remember with identical twins is that identical twins are not truly identical. DNA is a loose blueprint. The creation of a human body and mind is somewhat chaotic, with neurons, patterns, and cells forming and arranging all over the place. Those will never be the exact same between two people. The chaos inside the womb creates differences between twins, and this chaos likely produces gayness more so than genes do. A person desiring someone of the same sex is gender atypical behavior. Because this gender atypical behavior tends to go along with other gender atypical behaviors, it may be that both are caused by factors that create the developmental differences between the sexes in the first place. A big non-social environmental factor for causing gender atypical characteristics is hormones. Hormones largely determine most physical sex differences. These work in two ways. Some sex differences, like muscle and fat distribution, are caused by currently circulating hormones. These sex differences can be altered to an extent if we change the hormones in one's body. Other sex differences, like sex organs, are caused by hormones in crucial times of development. These can't be changed by altering current hormones. 
some circulating hormonal effects are also permanent. Gay and straight men have the same circulating hormones. However, lesbians on average have more testosterone than straight women. It's not clear how much this matters in determining lesbianism. It could be that the average larger size of lesbians creates more testosterone. It's also possible that brain differences that caused lesbianism also caused higher testosterone. It's not clear how having more circulating testosterone would change a woman's sexual orientation. The developmental hormone theory is that chromosomal sex doesn't determine sexual orientation or gender-typical behavior, but hormones pre-birth do. While the human is forming, hormones don't just create sexual organs, but shape the brain in such a way that affects gender-typical behaviors. Gay men received less male hormones than straight men, and lesbians were hit with less female hormones than straight women. This theory received support from experiments on mammals where researchers gave them more or less of certain hormones while they were developing, as well as studies on people with unusual hormonal development. Scientists can induce male mammals to act like females, and female mammals to act like males just by changing the hormones they receive while developing. Certain people just happen to be exposed to atypical hormones while developing. Looking at these people, after they are older, those exposed to hormones more typically applied to the opposite sex are more likely to be gay than the general population. Another area of study is the index to ring finger length. Women on average have larger ratios than men. Gay women have a ratio closer to that of men than straight women. This doesn't hold for gay versus straight men, though. Other characteristics affected by hormones that show sex differences as well as sexual orientation differences are facial femininity slash masculinity, autoacoustic emissions, height, and gender role behavior. Before birth, some women have been exposed to higher levels of certain hormones because of congenital adrenal hyperplasia. These women are more likely to desire the same sex than women without this issue. This is further evidence that hormones can be related to homosexuality, although most women with this issue are straight. Brain regions have different sizes depending on hormone levels while developing. There's evidence that different parts of the brain differ in size depending on if the brain belongs to a homosexual or not. Scientists believe the sizes of these brain regions are determined during development. However, differences in these regions are not a necessary nor sufficient cause of homosexuality. A natural experiment also supports the non-social causes. Some men are born with malformed penises or lose them in accidents as babies. Some doctors used to believe that such babies would grow up happier if they were surgically made more female and raised as girls. Neither of these situations that created a messed up penis changed hormones. So these are boys with normal hormones, but who have had their dicks fully removed in surgery and were raised as girls. This created a great experiment because the genetic and non-social environmental factors are controlled for while social forces are the treatment. The children's genetics and developmental hormones were normal, but their parents and all around them treated and raised them as women. 100% of these children grew up being attracted to women rather than men. 
if social nurture had any independent power, then this situation should have had an impact. Yet, the heterosexual nature of these people won out, and they ended up being attracted to women despite being raised as women. They didn't even know they were born as boys, but found themselves sexually attracted to women anyways. Unfortunately, there are only seven cases where sexual orientation was assessed. We will have no more cases because doctors no longer recommend raising male babies with deformed or accidentally removed penises as girls. The small sample size limits the power of the natural experiment, and there were other limitations. But nevertheless, it all pointed in the same direction and goes along with other evidence suggesting that pre-birth causes have more power than post-birth. As one scientist said, If one could not reliably make a male human become attracted to other males by cutting off his penis in infancy and rearing him as a girl, then what other psychosocial intervention could plausibly have that effect? End quote. An extremely interesting finding is the fraternal birth order effect. This is that the more older brothers one has, the more likely he is to be gay. This only applies to male homosexuality. This finding is quite robust and confounding factors have been controlled for. The finding only holds for biological older brothers, not the amount of non-related brothers one may have. Then the question is, why? Researchers think mothers' autoimmune systems can attack male-specific proteins on Y chromosomes that help create masculinity and straight sexual orientation. For mothers prone to this, with each male child, her immune system gets better at attacking these proteins. So, with each child, there's a better chance that her immune system will limit such proteins to the extent that there isn't enough of them for the baby to develop normal male qualities. Essentially, mothers' immune systems can turn their sons gay. The fraternal birth order effect is a non-social environmental cause. However, both the mother's and child's genes may play a role in activating the mechanisms involved. Thus, this may also partially be a genetic effect. None of this is automatic as different mothers, children, and births have a lot of factors that will affect how well the immune system limits these proteins, and there are other causes of homosexuality. However, this is one that seems well supported by the evidence. In addition to what I've highlighted, there are other genetic and hormonal studies finding evidence of pathways by which these types of factors may affect sexual orientation. A major problem with studying social influences is that any difference in treatment toward a child could be because of gender atypical or similar behavior they were displaying. In other words, children set to be gay at birth act differently than children set to be straight. Children that act differently may be treated differently by their peers and adults. Thus, it's tough to say that how they were treated is the cause, when it's quite plausible that how they were treated and that they turned out homosexual, were both caused by factors at birth. Another problem with studying social influences is these studies are retrospective and often about general treatment that could be easily misremembered. We aren't talking about a child obviously acting like the opposite sex. 
and being different in clear gender atypical ways. We're talking about maybe the mother was overprotective or the father was distant. It's really hard to say to what extent this was true and then how it impacted a child's sexual orientation. Looking at the prevalence of homosexuality across cultures and time, homosexuality does not seem to increase with social tolerance, although the amount of its identification certainly does, and homosexual behavior may increase in such environments too. The amount of people actually attracted to the same sex instead of the opposite sex doesn't seem to change though, so there doesn't seem to be a cultural cause. There is a correlation with childhood sexual abuse and homosexuality, so this is one possible causal factor. However, we should doubt it. 1. It is possible children who display gender atypical behaviors are more likely to be abused, so this could cause the correlation rather than abuse causing homosexuality. 2. The number of people abused and the number of homosexuals don't match, and most people abused are straight. So if it is a cause, it isn't a main driver. Third, more women are abused than men, but there aren't more gay women. Fourth, both females and males are more likely to be abused by a male. So if this were a key cause, we'd have to believe that this is working in the following way. Men abused by men become psychologically desirous of men, but women being abused by men for some reason has the opposite effect and makes them desire women. Finally, because children that grow up to be gay are more likely to be atypical, they may have less certainty in themselves and put themselves in situations making them vulnerable to abuse. This could cause the correlation. So, we should doubt that childhood abuse causes homosexuality, but it could play a role and can't be for sure crossed off as one of the many factors that can combine to produce homosexuality. Summing that up, social factors may play no role in someone becoming homosexual. There is the weakest evidence to support such variables, but it's possible that it could contribute. There is solid evidence that genetic and non-social environmental factors cause homosexuality. The non-social environmental factors involve a variety of mechanisms that produce different proteins and hormones in the womb that cause some people's brains to develop in such a way that they have gender atypical attitudes, or such and a homosexual orientation. This means people's sexual orientation is likely set at birth. Homosexuality is determined by a variety of factors, and what caused one person to be gay could be different than what caused another person to be gay. This may seem strange, but isn't unusual if one understands how most personality traits are determined. That is, most human personality traits are caused by a variety of factors, so the multi-factor causation of homosexuality is completely normal and really should have been expected. Some homosexuals have claimed that their homosexuality was a choice. They may be confusing themselves or may have had their homosexuality develop in such a way where they really could choose it. However, for the most part, homosexuality is not a choice. Whatever the combination of factors, whether inherent, non-social environment, or social, people just find themselves attracted to the opposite, or the same, sex. If by choice, we mean that we can weigh our options and make a decision, 
sexual orientation is not a choice. This should be obvious to straight people simply by self-examining your own sexual desires. At some point in our lives, we stopped seeing girls and women as just other people, but also found ourselves attracted to them. We never stopped and considered whether we should do such a thing. We just started finding the curves of a woman's thighs, the thickness of their bosoms, and the angles of their faces more desirable than we did when we were younger. It's no different for homosexuals. We don't choose our sexual orientations, we just desire what we desire. The exact determinants of this desire isn't actually relevant. People don't choose to be attracted to men or women, but discover it. Weirdly, some homosexuals don't realize they're gay until their 20s. It's not that puberty hit them late. It's that living in a straight society, it can take time to realize how one is different. These late discoverers may have been focused on other things in their lives and didn't take the time to examine their sexual desires or even realize that what they were feeling was homosexual desires. All that said, this could be different for bisexuals. Bisexuality is much less studied than homosexuality, so it's possible that bisexuality works differently. This likely still isn't a choice because people just find themselves attracted to both sexes, but there is more room for flexibility. Also, because bisexuals are attracted to both sexes, there's more room for social influences. Even if one is set to find both sexes desirable, if everything around them pushes them in the normal direction of desiring the opposite sex, bisexuals may avoid focusing on the same sex or play mental gymnastics to play off their same-sex desires as something else. Bisexuals may see men and women like a straight person may see body types or race. Sure, women of all races can be attractive, but some people have different preferences. I don't know all the causes of those preferences, but cultural stereotypes and how races are perceived in society could push people to prefer one race over another. Bisexuals may be similarly influenced on gender. Bisexuals may also be more fluid in their sexual orientation. It may change over time. Many full-blown homosexuals were set to be gay at birth, and they will be gay their whole lives no matter what. But bisexuals may have changes in preferences over time because they are open to desiring all sexes. The literature currently concludes that homosexuality is predominantly, if not totally, determined by non-social factors, meaning genetics combined with things that happen during pre-birth development that are not affected by how people treat the child. So, inherent biology and the non-social environment rule the day. I'm Lone Candle. Like me, comment me, and whether you're a man, a woman, or something in between, Love me.